the last time we talked was, and by the way, I'm recording, uh, so sorry for not telling you. Uh, the last time we talked was, um, was it six months to eight months ago? No, probably a little bit longer than that, huh? Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like it's been a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because um, so much has happened. It, uh, you're listening to NTVR. I'm Chris Miranda, the host of this uh, eclectic, weird podcast, and I am joined... Um, I'm honored to be joined by Ikrima El Hassan, the man with the greatest name I've ever heard uh, in virtual reality. Are you sure you're you're not a Game of Thrones character? Because that is a, an epic name, man. I'm never gonna forget. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I wish I was a Game of Thrones character. <laughs> but yeah, so you are the uh, you're behind Titan Lightning, um, one of the most uh, one of the coolest studios out there, and one of your your experiences are experiences are Hi, really high caliber everything you guys put out is, is really high caliber and the latest thing was uh with this uh i want to say lionsgate you guys collaborated with lionsgate studios um yes yes it was okay. it was lionsgate and uh it's not just me at, at, at kite and lightning so Corey is um my uh partner in crime and he's he's the one who's kind of doing all the art and the, the VFX uh, and uh, and all the awesomeness that you, you see. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was Lionsgate who approached us about doing a VR experience for one of their upcoming movies. And uh, it uh, is now, I think, coming out uh, March 20th, tomorrow. Nice. Um, uh, and it's called Insurgent. Cool. And what is it that they came uh, to you? I mean, when they when they approached you guys, like, what is it that they saw in VR? Um, you know, from from the get go, that made them want to um, create a a VR experience for their movie. I think they they were kind of aware that you know this was back in the summer um, uh, of last year, and. Uh, VR was kind of pick, starting to pick up a buzz. Uh, it's been a couple of months after Facebook bought them. You know that kind of sent a big shockwave throughout the the industry and through through the especially in the marketing advertising world. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they were kind of curious about VR. They I think they wanted to dip their toes in, and um, by happenstance they ended up you know coming to our to our office and our studio. Um, through a, a co-working space partner of ours, Giant Spoon, mm-hmm. and uh, they saw Sense of Peso. We put them through the Genesis machine. You know, they they really loved it. You know, I think they um, they said they wanted to really do VR, um, and we just thought, you know, that they were just really excited about it, but that nothing would happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, to Lionsgate's credit, you know, a couple of months afterwards, they were like, "Hey, let's let's do this. Here's." Here's a a good movie that we think would be a, a great opportunity to make a VR experience out of. Yeah, for sure. And w- where are you guys? Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm guessing you guys are based out of Southern California, uh, LA. We are in Los Angeles. It, it seems to be the growing hub for VR. Yeah, there is definitely. I I feel like the um, the cultural push for VR content is 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 growing like. Uh, it, it, exponentially out of LA like there is uh just so much um content coming out out of out of that that area and you know I want to ask you like how much of your success in being able to create VR content and 
you know, work in collaboration with Lionsgate, for example, how much of your of your success slash survival in VR so so far would you attribute it to your to your location to to living in LA? Like, how much does that you know? How much would you take that of that into consideration? Uh, it's it's huge. I think in the sense of kind of uh, the uh, people that are clients that we work with. Um, they're all kind of over here in, in Los Angeles, you know, where, where it's kind of the entertainment capital of the world. So all the movie studios, all the, uh, a lot of the brands are based out of here. So we've been really, really fortunate for, for that. Um, it's also been really amazing that there's a big growing kind of grassroots VR community in LA. There's a lot of VR startups here. Um, I think it makes sense because we're kind of entertainment focused in LA and, and VR is a great kind of way to channel that entertainment uh, drive uh, and creativity into, into, into VR as a medium. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's been really awesome. And then obviously there's a, a lot of talented um, VFX artists that are here in LA. It's, it's, you know, kind of really easy to, to find people um, uh, that are freelancing and, and working in that. Um, so that's, that's been tremendously awesome as well. Yeah, um, I, I, I gotta say, LA is more of a creative mecca, where you have all these um, people that can be components to building something greater, and yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited for VR LA. It's gonna, I, I, I imagine you're gonna you're going to be there. Um, or, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. we're we're definitely gonna be there. We're super stoked. It's it's kind of one of the best VR meetups uh, that's going on today. Yeah, they put on a really good show. I'm excited. And so going back to Kite and Lightning, what's next? Where are you guys taking your tool set and your skill set, uh, your company forward from here on out? We are uh, have two more client-based uh, projects um, that will be debuting um, uh, uh, in the next couple of months. And uh, we basically are planning to take the rest of the year to focus on kind of creating original content, you know, back to, to the stuff that, you know, is, is what set us on this path to begin with, like Sense of Peso and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason is that, you know, we basically, uh, right around the time we finished up Sense of Peso, our, our savings accounts are kind of at dire levels, um, and uh, we didn't want to take investment money, so... We took the, the client page. We found clients and creative projects that we really liked and could get behind, and and we used that to kind of self fund the the, the studio work in in VR. And uh, by the time June rolls around, we'll have enough money saved up to basically spend the rest of the year working on on our own things. And uh, we're excited to kind of talk more about that in the next couple of months. We we're still internally gestating on. What, which one of the hundred of ideas that we want to explore is going to be the one that, that we tackle first. That is extremely exciting, and I cannot wait. Um, that, is, that is really exciting. I, I'd love to get more content out of you guys' um, pool of creative. Uh, yeah, please, keep, keep doing that. But I want to ask you, so do you think you could have gone this far uh, without having to go down the client route? I mean, is there a way to survive in VR currently without, you know, as a company, without having to do client work? Um, I mean, could you could 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 you make it right now without 
you know, by selling directly to consumers or, or is the client model the only way to go for now? I don't think the client model is the only way to go. Um, I think selling to consumers now is, is a little tough because there really aren't any consumers yet, you mm-hmm. know? Um, the Gear VR store, you know, basically just came out, you know, in the last couple of months. And even that didn't have payment support until, you know, uh, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So there's not really a consumer base to sell directly to. So, you know, I think what a, a couple of the different avenues are, you know, there's um, the client, you know, uh, service-based work for hire route to, to kind of generate money out of. Um, it has its advantages and disadvantages. Um, there's the taking the, you know, the startup tech route, which, you know, uh, we know a lot of our friends who have, who have raised money from VCs and that's, you know, has its advantages and, and disadvantages as well. Um, and then there's the publishing route, you know, if, if you're making content per se, um, I think that one's uh, a little bit now easier to tackle than it was maybe a year ago um, because, uh, publishers are a little bit more willing to fund or sign on a VR video game. Um, our friends over at, uh, that are making Adrift, you know, they, mm-hmm. they got a big publishing deal to make a VR game. Um, you know, that also, but it's not a VR only game. So it's like a VR game that can also be played outside of VR. Yeah. Um, so that, I think those are kind of the three big, big avenues that people are approaching. So even if you get a, a publishing deal with a game game publishing house, you'd still they would still want to hedge their bets. They still want to create games that are, and I, I don't blame them, that are compatible with the legacy paradigms, huh? Right, right. You know, I mean, we haven't really explored that option in depth, so I, I can't speak, you know, with great confidence on it. But mm-hmm. um, it seems from our cursory purview into that is that, you know, it's. Uh, you know, it kind of just kind of depends, basically, depending on the, the gradient of how much money are you asking for, um, uh, will they, you know, uh, and how much risk are you taking on will will determine whether, you know, they're willing to sign on for a VR-only game versus, you know, a VR game that also can have a wider appeal. Can you talk to can you talk more about the the VC route and and why you guys uh, as Kite and Lightning are the, are steering away from it for now? I mean, what are the you know what, what were the sort of discussions that you guys had about about taking that route? Sure. Uh, um, for us, I think it was um, it wasn't anything per se with that the VC route is kind of inherently bad. Um, um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good route that we might actually pursue down the road. Um, our main concern with it is that uh, for what we want to do, which is being a content company, we want to create content and we want to, you know, sell that content somehow. Um, VC money is kind of a very risky proposition. Risky propos- proposition at this stage, um, you know. Uh, no one really knows what's going to sell in VR. No one really knows what the marketplace is going to be like. Nobody knows how many consumers are going to be there. And so you have all these kind of unknown factors. And if, you know, we looked at it and said that, hey, you know, if we take VC money, you know, first of all, you know, VC money means that they want you to strive for, you know, a billion dollar exit. <laughs> and and that's not our, our big goal. Our goal is we want to have a company that, 
fosters creativity and we can, you know, create amazing content like Pixar mm -hmm. and have it be so good that it can keep sustaining the creativity, you know. Um, we don't really care about it being the biggest company out there or having this massive exit. Um, so our interest there with a VC would not necessarily be aligned. Um, and then that's totally fine in the beginning when things are kind of still being figured out. But the second that, you know, uh, the, the trajectory of the company diverges with what the, the VC wants, then, you know, you have problems, you have conflicts and, and, you know, the VCs are always going to push towards creating something that's going to maximize the growth or the, you know, market cap of the company. Whereas, you know, we will gladly sacrifice making more money, you know, if it enables us to make something that's really, really awesome that we really enjoy, you know. Um, so that's kind of where we, we shied away from the VC money. Um, we feel like it's VC money is really good at accelerating, it's, you know, um, uh, the trajectory of, of, of our company once, once we've, once we've launched off the ground. Mm. Um, you know, it's like adding nitrous rocket fuel to, um, you know, uh, to a vehicle. Um, uh, so we want to do it after the vehicle has kind of, uh, taken off. That's a good analogy. I like that. I mean, in a, in a sense, I sort of see it in a, in a way where like, are you going to add the nitrous, uh, gas with the NOS when you're on a straight, path with your company like like a car like is the road open and clear and can you see you forward or right. are you going to add the NOS on a really really curvy road where you don't have much control of, of the speed of the thing that is accelerating so when, when do you decide and let me let me steer here clear from the VC I think you covered it pretty well and you know something that you mentioned was you know we don't really know what it is that that sells in VR, and I'd like to know, like, do you do you have an estimation as to when we'll find out what sells in VR, and and yeah, like, what what do you think it, that will be? I I have a quick I have a quick uh, um, theory. I th I think that HTC, Valve, Oculus, Facebook, whatever they put out as an HMD as a product. I think they're going to need to bundle it with a Wii Sports sort of demo thing that can show what is possible. Um, and, and so in, in that, I think people will, will start figuring out, oh, I think, you know, I think this is where I can experiment. But, but what do you think? What do you think will be the thing that will sell the most in VR? I have no idea. I'm just as uh, in the dark as everybody else uh, on this front. You know, I think once the consumer versions are out, you know, um, we'll we'll find out collectively. And uh, you know, I think people are still trying to figure out what is going to be the killer experience or the killer app in VR. And I don't think anyone has really nailed that down yet. Yeah. I yeah that's um I I really think that for us to uncover the killer app I think we need a Wii Sports or something like um because it's such such new interaction paradigm I I think people are going to be overwhelmed um but we'll see <laughs> and yeah. you know you personally I mean so you guys want to create the sort of this Pixar VR sort of this 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 place of of amazing imaginative experiences um. 
what is it that is motivating you personally to you know, put put out content and what is it that drives you uh we're you know we're just driven by creating like you know we're driven by creativity and driven by the ability to, to like create these amazing beautiful stories that are emotional and poetic and these immersive worlds um you know um that's kind of what what drives us uh, mm. as as kind of creators in, in this space and and that's kind of where i mean we both Corey and i come from film vfx so it's, it's kind of all the stuff that we've we've that's driven us into that field mm -hmm. and for us you know vr is just kind of like uh amplifying all that all that awesomeness from from film vfx and and turning it up to 11 so to speak yeah talk to me more about your from like a, a developer as a creative creator sort of standpoint you know how do you see yourselves navigating the oceans of HMDs that are seems like will be get really will be getting released in the future. Like, how do you know which ones to support? And for example, like your your last experience came out for Gear VR, DK2, and Android Google Play Store. Um, was there iOS version as well? Yep, there was an iOS version. How did well. you guys? How were you able to manage all that and then getting it working on all those different platforms? Um, uh, it was, it was a little bit of a trick, um, uh, cause it was, it was a lot of work. Um, but the, the, the hardest part was that we needed to create a mobile version of the experience. And, uh, what we ended up doing was that we developed a plugin that allows you to basically export a stereo 3d 360 movie, um, of your unreal engine game. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that movie, you know, basically because it now it's it's you basically pre-rendered everything. Now you don't have to. You can run it on anything, right? Any mobile phone can play back a a movie. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the big breakthrough moment, so to speak. And uh, once we were able to do that, um, we were able to have it play on on all the phones and the the Gear VR devices and you can even play it on your if you know your pc on a dk2 if you have an underpowered machine huh. and uh we're going to um open source that plugin and, and release it so other people can can use it as well and, and to to kind of export their own experiences whether they want to make vr trailers like video files of their trailers mm -hmm. or whether they want to you know maybe down the road make let's play you know, stereo 360, you know, videos of uh, people playing their game, um, whatever they want to do, you know, they can just take that plugin and, and, and run with it. And I'll also add in too, that the actual wrapper, the actual app that hosted, you know, the, uh, uh, the VR experience was developed by this other company called real effects. Mm. So they, they, you know, handled making the, the quick little shim, you know, mobile app. Um, I think they did it in unity or something, um, pretty quickly. And, uh, and then they, they just, you know, with unity, you can go to, to all the different devices. Um, so that was, that was pretty easy on their front. That is mind blowing. And I can't thank you enough for putting that to the community as an open source piece of, of uh, software. That sounds amazing. Um, so walk me through it. So basically, you, you can create 360 experiences with UE4, and and then this plugin will allow you to export the, export this to 
uh, Android and Samsung Gear and Oculus? Is that what it it's, it does, or am I missing something? Yeah, kind of, pretty close. Um, okay. So, like, let's say you have a video game that's like real time rendered in UE4, mm-hmm. um, and uh, um, what this plugin will allow you to do is um, it will uh, export out out of that plugin, out of that game, mm-hmm. you know, um, let's say like you're just playing it or it's like, for example, take Sense of Peso, which mm-hmm. is what we're going to do with Sense of Peso. Um, it's just kind of an on rails experience that just kind of takes you through the underworld. It's not really any interactivity. Mm-hmm. And so this plugin will record a stereo 360 degree video of the whole Sense of Peso experience. Oh. And generate a movie, um, and the beauty of it is that because it's synthetic, um, you know, like uh, we don't have to deal with the same limitations that like real live action cameras have to deal with when people are trying to actually record real life stereoscopic three D three sixty experiences. Mm-hmm. We can get rid of a lot of the the errors and the problems. Um, not all, not all of them, but we can get rid of kind of. Um, uh, a good majority of them. So a great example of this is that if you look at the DK2 version of the Insurgent experience, mm-hmm. that's all real-time rendered in Unreal. Um, that's on Oculus Share. And then if you go to the Gear VR on Milk VR and go to like Insurgent Max, I think is what it's called, um, the high-res version of the experience, that is a just a plain old stereoscopic 360-degree panoramic video that's being played back. And then you can kind of do an A-B test of, of what the difference is. Wow. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, so then it is, that is extremely exciting. So can you, can you edit the, the video once it's exported out, or do you have to do all the edits in-game? In um, um, you can edit. You can edit the video uh, as well. I mean, we we did that. So we, you know, uh, we rendered for Insurgent, for example. Um, it took twenty six hours on the highest settings um, on seven different machines um, oh. to to render the entire experience. So you know, each machine rendered a certain chunk, um, and uh, uh, you know, we we spliced them together in an editor because it's at the end of the day, it's just a movie file, mm-hmm. a stereo, you know, three sixty lat long movie file that we pull into after effects and um we also did some extra stuff to kind of uh artistically cory artistically kind of painted around some of the inherent problems with um stereoscopic 360 to kind of minimize them so for example when you look straight down there's distortion Mm -hmm. maximal stereo distortion because you're at a discontinuity point of the of the the sphere. Like mm-hmm. if you look straight down, looking straight down, your IPD is one way. And if you like look, you wrote you you know you rotate 180 degrees and look like you're looking backwards and look straight down, the IPD is now like uh, inverted. Um, so like we do things like in After Effects fade down to mono and, and whatnot. Um, so totally editable. You can even go in there and add like extra effects and things like that to, to spice it up the video. Um, it's uh, it's it's all possible. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm mind blown and I'm extremely excited. What and my and forgive me for all my noobish questions, but what sort of software tool are you using to edit the videos themselves? Are you um, what's it called? 
We use uh, um, Premiere and After Effects. Um, okay. uh, that's what Corey primarily works in. There's, you know, um, any video editing software uh, would work. Yep. Uh, After Effects is kind of what's used in the, the VFX world along with another program called uh, Nuke. Oh, okay. Yeah, for some reason I thought that 360 video would, would just needed a whole new player or a whole new editor sort of software tool, but but apparently not, and that's good to know. Um, what what are some other limitations uh, with that approach with that technique? Obviously, there's you know there's performance benefits because you can you can run it uh, because it's a video and, and any phone can play can play a video. But but you know can you speak more about the limitations and the challenges sure. in, in in that technique? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the, the first one obviously is because it's a video. There is no interactivity anymore. Mm -hmm. So the interactivity, it, you're just playing back a video. Um, uh, uh, you can start to kind of add interactivity back in by kind of maybe doing things like choose your own adventure or kind of like decisions, but just with the, the, the plugin, all it does is export out this movie. Um, the second thing is that, um, inherently the stereo 360 videos have a bunch of problems. Um, uh, for example, if you roll your head the IPD is, is off, and that's just with any 3D movie that's mm. not real-time rendered. So, like, if you go to the theater and you roll your head, you know, 90 degrees, the IPD is going to be completely off. Um, and with 360 video, that problem is exacerbated by the closer things get to you, um, the more problematic and more seams you'll have, and it'll, it'll kind of hurt a little bit. Mm. Um, and at best, what you can do is kind of just minimize um, how much of a, a, a seam it is, how much of a stereo seam it is. Um, in Insurgent, for example, um, if you look straight down at your avatar body, it is it is probably the, the worst that you will, the exasperate, or how should I say, it showcases the limitation of stereo 360 video um, like in the, the, the most apparent way. Mm. Um, having a body super close to you um, and right below you, below the camera, it's, is, is, is where you have all the most problems of, of, of stereo 360. Because you have something that's super close and you have something that is like below you, which is at a, a, a discontinuity point. Hmm. Um, and what we did again is like we, we faded to mono. Um, I think other people, um, uh, like LODR, they're experimenting with different mapping techniques to, to kind of solve these problems. Um, but at, at the current state of the art, it's, uh, you have to just kind of artistically tweak it so that, um, it's, uh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, what of um, what a kind of worms, I, I mean, there's, there's so much potential in it, but at the same time, there's so much, uh, there's so much that needs to be learned and, and innovated upon. I mean, do you think, do you, do you see yourself, uh, using a, a different method that would be more effective or is this... Is this the way of the future for now for, for Kite and Lightning? Um, it's definitely an, an easy thing, um, and we're going to use it a lot for, um, you know, if we want to make trailers out of something, mm -hmm. um, uh, or we have our, some of our experiences that don't have interactivity, like Sense of Peso, um, it, it's, it's going to be a really easy thing to use to to generate a mobile version of Sense of Peso, so now that you don't have to have this crazy machine. Um, cool. you know, I think down the road, 
Um, ultimately, what you really want to do is you want to generate synthetic light fields. And this company called Otoy is, is working on that. And they have a, a renderer called Octane that they are in uh, alpha mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, with having UE4 integration. And that's ultimately kind of like what you would what you would want to do because that that basically gives you a synthetic light field that allows you to kind of move around and give you parallax and all the awesomeness um, that that you would want. You know, it also has its disadvantages. Like there's this huge file size problem that mm -hmm. they need to tackle, but um, you know they're confident that they can come up with clever ways of compressing the uh, the 8D light field into to something way more small. I'm under the impression that Octane is also going to be it's it's a it's streaming right it's streaming over there over the internet the the whole uh the whole VR piece right the whole 3D. They they have a couple of different technologies and it's not clear. Uh, I mean they've kind of been a little bit vague about how all of them are going to interface with each other. Mm -hmm. um, they have a technology that allows you to stream from one computer to another device and basically stream stuff from the cloud to, um, to any device. And, and that's been around for a while. Um, and uh, uh, that allowed, I mean, you, you might have heard of things like uh, Gakai, I think, or, or mm -hmm. there was another company that, you know, was basically Netflix for games. You, you can play a video game in your browser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and... Uh, they, so they had their sim that similar technology. They also have Octane, which is a uh, a bi-directional, uh, unbiased path tracer. Uh, that's GPU based. That's really fast and and production ready. And um, they also have uh, they've been doing a lot of work with kind of image capture, mm -hmm. um, uh, like uh, um, basically making digital doubles of people, you know, in their light stage six. Um, so they used it in Benjamin Button and all these big Hollywood films. Wow. And so with VR, what they're doing is that they're, they've augmented their renderer to generate synthetic light fields, which you can think of as kind of like a three-dimensional image. If like you've seen the Lytro where you know, it allows mm -hmm. you to focus after the fact, mm -hmm. or these light field cameras, that's kind of what it does. Um, so they generate a synthetic light field with, the, with Octane, the, the ray tracer. Nice. And so their whole idea is that, you know, if you can stream the light field down to the client and then do at the same time, do some light rendering on the client, um, uh, on the mobile device while streaming in uh, some of this data that you can have these crazy full on experiences on your mobile devices. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge, you know, there is that they... Um, you know, the, the light field data is like, for example, can be up to like two gigs per frame, you know, like it's, wow. it's, uh, it's like a 3d, uh, and I'm bastardizing the, the term, a 3d, like snapshot of, uh, image snapshot of the, of the, of the scene. Mm -hmm. So if the scene is moving and changing, like you need multiple quote unquote snapshots. Yeah. Um, so what they're doing is that they're, you know, vaguely talking about what, to stream down, you know, like the, the, the light field data for a scene, for the environment, I guess that doesn't change. And then streaming down other stuff um, uh, using their Orbix technology. And 
we're, we're just really excited to see what the end result is, and we're excited once they start talking about more of the specific technical details that they're planning on on tackling. Oh, yeah, yeah, same here. Um, it, it, I mean, just to finish off on, on Otoy, I was, in, in essence, the pie-in-the-sky dream for, for Otoy and VR is being able to put on a Google Cardboard and use Otoy's technology to render out an experience that you could only get in a PS4, for example. But because exactly. it's done in the cloud, then you can, you know, your your the processor inside your phone isn't doing the bulk of the work. It's the it's the cloud. So I, I'm excited exactly. for that. Yeah. Um, so Tesla is about to release a patch in the next three months that is going to make their cars um, autopilot. Like it's gonna okay. it's gonna give it like self driving properties. And okay. this is a completely random question, but knowing that in three months Tesla cars are going to be almost like or will have self driving properties, what will it look like in the next three years? Are are, are Tesla cars going to become self aware? What are your thoughts? I uh, no no idea. I haven't really been following the uh, uh, the smart cars and the the, the self driving cars uh, very closely. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just want I I be it'd be kind of cool though if you were walking down the street and all of a sudden you had to talk to a car like like they put an AI in there. The car is self aware. Excuse me, can I get directions to the library? Sure, human. The library is two blocks down that way. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. I mean, we kind of have that with Siri, uh, so it'd be funny if all our devices started doing that. Dude, imagine if all the cars on the road started had the ability to talk, and they'd be like, you know, cussing out each other. Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, but no, going back to Kite and Lightning and VR. When you talk to clients, when you talk to people who you're you're in the, you know you're in meetings to try to work something out, work out partnerships, you know. What do you say to the cost of production of VR content? Like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you bring that up? How, do, how and what does it look like? You know, what is co- what does the cost of producing VR content look like from, you know, from your standpoint? Um, it's it's expensive um, because it's um, for to do it at the the quality of work um, uh, that's at the high end. Um, gets gets to be pretty expensive, um, especially because once a client is involved, um, you know, then everybody that partakes is is you know going to be uh, and rightfully so charging their their full on rates as opposed to when you know we're doing a passion project like Sense of Peso and we're asking favors for friend to, for, from friends to donate their time for free, you know that that just don't can't do that and and shouldn't do that when like you have a big company like Lionsgate, you know, asking you to do something. Um, Mm. And so we just kind of work within whatever the, you know, we, we talk with the clients and we, we figure out kind of what their budget is and we would figure out, you know, um, for this level of budget, it's, it's like, is there something that we can do that will be really awesome that we'd be really excited about? Um, And if the answer is yes, then, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we take it on. If the answer is no, we just tell them that you know it's it's just we're not we're not the ones for them, and and you know we we have a, a certain quality bar that that we we uh, adhere to. Nice. Um, and it's you know it, it's kind of like asking like how much does uh, a movie cost to make? You know, it's like it could be 
$5,000 for your, you know, uh, student indie film project to, you know, 180 million, right? It, it all kind of depends on what type of movie you're trying to make and what the budget production budget you have uh, to work with. Nice. Thank, yeah, thank you for that. You know, how do we, another question that is completely, you know, uh, coming out of nowhere is, you know, how do we transition people from legacy paradigms to, to VR? I mean, what, it, what do you think it will take for, for, for a mass transition of people to start coming down to, to VR and, and hang out in, in it more than they would in their, in their regular, in their regular paradigm? Um, just showing it to them. I think that's all, that's the hardest part is mm -hmm. getting them in the door. Uh, I think once they put on the headsets, the, the, the headsets take care of themselves. You know, it's kind of like there's some quote by some VC who said that there's two types of technology startups. There's, you know, um, there are the things like, uh, microwave technology where at first you have no idea what a microwave oven would be useful. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone was like, oh, I have a stove. Why would I need another thing that's like a stove but can't do everything that a stove does, right? So it takes a while for people to understand and figure out how to use it. Um, and then you have other classes of technology that's like hovercrafts. Everyone is like, you don't need to sell them on hovercrafts. Yeah. Their question is like, do you have it? Does it work, right? right. And, and VR is like hovercraft technology. You just got to show people to them and, and, and people are pretty much on board. Yeah. Or, or jetpacks in the age of no, not of there not being drones. Cause, cause now it's kind of, you know, the, the skies are kind of crowded. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I would want to crash my jetpack into a drone. And, and so when you, you know, just a, a general question, like as, as a person who is creating VR content, are you, um, do you have a sense that you're in a, in a competition competing, uh, with other humans and other companies for, you know, vying for the attention inside the inner spaces of human people, humans minds, or, or is, or is it, or is there a feeling of a, of a community of all, we're, we're all, in the, we're all in this together and we're going to, we're going to make it through. We're trying to make the world a better place. I mean, what do you, what is the overall sense? Um, in that, it, it in definitely that perspective? feels more of the latter, I think for a couple of things um you know i think everybody from the headset manufacturers to the content creators um is shares the same idea and that for you know any of us to succeed vr as a whole has to succeed so yeah. if if people poison the well as oculus likes to say then it kind of ruins it for everyone you know there's this mentality of that rising tides raise all ships so 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 that's it's wonderful that that's there and you know there's so many opportunities now that we don't really feel like i don't think anyone should feel that they are really competing for for you know in the scarce ecosystem mm -hmm. you know it's not like the apple app store where it's like you got to compete with a god knows how many you no know, god knows how many apps are being released every day mm -hmm. um i'd say there's also there's like healthy competition, you know, it's like, you know, I'd say like, you know, the competition when you're playing, you know, on a sports team, like, you know, when you're, you're playing with your basketball teammates, right? Like you have a healthy competition to like be the best that you can be, but it's, it's, you know, uh, the team is going to win together, right? It's, it's not, it's not like, you know, the point guard is going to, is going to win against someone else on, on his team. 
Yeah, the, I agree 100% with you in, in the sense that this is, you know, VR, I feel like, has so many problems to tackle as a whole that for us to fragment the industry slash community from the get-go will would be like you know like command like divide and conquer how do you how do you how do you conquer something a market when you're divided you know you can't and so uh, I agree but how do you think the interaction and the relationships will change once the market uh, or the VR industry proves to be worth you know 50 billion or 100 million billion dollars like do you think that we're still going to be uh, at that point of collaboratively sharing or you know or or do you think the mo the money is going to mutter? The money is going to not mutter. What is that word? What is the word I'm looking for? The money is going to mutter muddy the waters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, see, what do you think? I mean, is that is is this subject to change? Uh, obviously, you know, I think everything's subject to change, and you know, um, I'm sure you know the dynamic of the ecosystem will will change. As, as it matures, you know, as it goes from its infancy stage to kind of like, you know, the, the, from this wild, wild west that we're into is into kind of a, a mature eco, ecosystem. You know, the, the iPhone had the same thing, right, with the App Store. You know, it was kind of the wild, wild west in the beginning, and, and then it's kind of matured into this stable platform. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sure all of that's going to change. I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll change, but we don't really think about that stuff too much you know we're kind of more um grounded in kind of like what can we do next and and you know what is um what are the areas we can focus on our, our energy towards um that that kind of result in kind of tangible things for us do you find yourself still trying to convince people about vr at, at this point still or or i mean you know how does that how has that evolved? I'm sure it's gone from, you know, where you had to like VR. What what is this to, or to now where you're like, oh my God, you know, you're doing something amazing. Or or tell me your story. I mean, how did how has this interaction with bringing VR up to people and getting them excited about it? How has it how how has that evolved over over the past year at least? Um, yeah, we definitely don't really feel the the impetus anymore to convince people. Uh, about VR. I mean, in the beginning, obviously, I joke that right now there's probably one person in the world that I still kind of uh, teasingly try to convince, and, and that was my uh, one of my best friends, Paul. Um, he and I actually drove from LA to Santa Barbara, like uh, which is like I think an hour and a half drive, mm -hmm. to see and experience the Oculus Rift. Um, you know, this was back in the uh, the days when we were all you know queued up waiting for our Kickstarter kits to, to arrive. <laughs> and um, uh, we had already ordered ours, and we were just kind of waiting to see if, if, this, if this thing was as good as everyone said it was. And, and I remember Paul's, you know, we got out of it. We both got very sick. You know, we played Team Fortress 2. It was, like, awesome and horrible. You know, we were, like, nauseous for the rest of the day and did all the things you're not supposed to do in VR, right? Like no one knew what was going on, and and uh, Paul's uh, uh, takeaway from that experience was that VR is terrible. It's dead. It's never going to go anywhere. This is the worst thing I've ever tried in my life. And uh, through the years, or the yeah, the last I guess two years, as as it's been growing bigger and better, and and we've seen uh, better demos, and we've seen the Valve demo, um, culminating with the Facebook buyout. I, I kind of like to just send him uh, a teasing text, being like, "Yep." 
Looks like VR is completely dead. <laughs> good call on that one. <laughs> yeah, there is. I I have a sense that I mean, based on what you've told me, there is two types of people that try the Rift um, or have tried VR up to this point. Um, there's the ones who like see it for the potential that it can be, um, and then there's ones who are like, oh my god, that may be really nauseous. Uh, I don't know about this, you know, and, and so. You know, what is it about you and your personality that made you see the potential in, in VR and, and and yeah, and and then pursue this 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 trajectory where you're now a a, a high caliber content creator? Um, it was you know I was still on the fence when I first saw it. I think it had a lot of potential, and then I think once I got my dev kit, um, I started to play with a couple of the other demos. And then it was it was kind of really cool, and and you know I could kind of like see the potential. And then um, I showed it to Corey, um, you know my co-founder and partner in all of this, and you know he immediately like just absolutely like loved it. And I think you know when when combining two like-minded people, it just kind of like fed we've you know fed off of each other's energy and excitement. For it, or, or maybe it's feeding off of our delusions together, and, and it, it just happened to work out. Yeah, um, it, it, it it certainly did. Um, and you know, are you guys experimenting in the future? Are you looking to experiment with um, you know new types of VR content that are you know more interactive? Where are you are you planning going more into the gaming realm? Are you you know trying to tell stories? I mean, where where do you think Kite and Lightning is gonna go? in the future creative creative wise i think fundamentally at our core everything we we do is is you know we're we're for cinematic storytelling mm -hmm. you know um you know how that manifests itself you know is is kind of the open-ended question you know you can tell a story it, it doesn't have to necessarily be a traditional and it probably won't be like a traditional story in the sense that you know you're watching a movie or or you're hearing someone tell you a story you know you can tell a story through uh um uh, a photo series right a photo expose you can tell a story through dance choreography um uh but at our core you know we're driven by like you know cinematic you know storytelling things that are poetic and and, and beautiful um still up in the air you know what that how it's exactly we're going to manifest that in vr where there's we're in deep in the exploration phase where we're trying new things every uh every week um and uh um um i think in just time will tell what what uh, what comes out of all of this creative experimentation and brainstorming certainly uh last couple questions i know you're a busy man but i i must i must take you down the rabbit hole for just a quick second Sure. So everybody talks about, or we're all trying to figure out what it is that will be the mouse of VR, the the key keyboard paradigm, uh, the key input paradigm for this technology. And you know that's that's amazing and all, and I'm I'm all for it. But I'm also uh, thinking about like what's going to be the keyboard of VR? How are we going to be productive and be able to be creators um, in in VR? Like. And 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 I like to get your thoughts on that. You know, one, what do you think is the keyboard of VR, and two, uh, what do you think it will take for us to get there to to find it? That's a good question. I have no idea. Um, I think there will probably be um, several input solutions to VR. You know, obviously having 
full 100% rock solid hand tracking would kind of be um, one of the leading awesomest ways of input in VR. Um, but I tried the Vive and, and that was amazing. I love their input controllers. Mm. I think, you know, um, we could do amazing things with that right now and today. Um, uh, the, even the PS4 Move controllers are, are awesome to open up a series and, and a, a new world of, of experiences. Hmm. And, you know, I always like to think about, you know, on back in the, uh, the pre Xbox days, you know, uh, FPSs didn't exist on consoles, you know, um, even, you know, when the Xbox came out, um, uh, the idea that you would have a first person shooter you know, and you play it with anything but a mouse and a keyboard just seemed ludicrous. And I remember <laughs> laughing at the idea. I, I think I tried Unreal Tournament on, like, my Nintendo 64 or, or whatever the console was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Give me back my mouse and keyboard so I can play Quake 3 like a, you know, normal human being. <laughs> but obviously the world's changed and people, you know, um, figured out how to make playing you know a first person shooter awesome and doable on on the consoles you know like uh halo uh was was meant as a pc title and uh you know microsoft bought up bungie and forced them to to ship it on xbox as one of their launch titles and uh and and now we have uh um uh, call of duty we have a bunch of fps's uh, which i'm I'm conjecturing, um, someone can check the details on this, conjecturing that they make all their money or the majority of their money on, on consoles. Mm. You know? um, so I think we're going to see the same thing with VR. Yeah. People are going to be like, oh, I have to have this level of fidelity for my input for it to be meaningful. And then you will realize that that's not necessarily the case. Very interesting. You know, this section of the rabbit hole is very mild, um, just so you know, uh, because I have another uh, question that is grounded in, in, in real life. Um, Gabe Newell just had a, a podcast with, with I think, um, uh, I can't remember his name, but a really good pod- podcast that was uh, posted on Reddit a little while ago. And he was talking about how, and this is the thing that stood out for me, watching little people in VR has this special effect on you and he can't really you know they can't really figure out why it's so compelling to watching you know little characters um, in VR and I remember I don't know if you remember the Crescent Bay uh, demo where you're watching a little world and there's a yes. little train going by I, I found that very effective as well very compelling but Gabe Newell was, was talking about that and it made me realize that what if what if Val is is onto something there like the next you know the next league of legends game the next uh, dota the next you know uh, you know command and conquer those sorts of tabletop games will be will be leading the pack or or you know or what do you think you know what do you think about this little watching little people effect is that is that going to be a thing no it's awesome i love it it's fantastic you know um uh, one of the biggest problems with VR, I think, is is getting the sense of scale. Everything feels miniaturized, and the irony is that I really love it when you're like this third person omni- om- omniscient point of view, and and you're seeing kind of like this miniaturized world. That's mm-hmm. always been one of my favorite demos, and and uh, I, you know, I I love the idea of exploring that and and leaning into that, turning that constraint into an amazing thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, Tower Defense games, Plants yeah. vs. Zombies. That would be yeah. really cool. I want to play Chrono Sugar in VR in third person or the <laughs> Final Fantasy series. Yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, Mr. Hassan, last question. Um, if we could bring back the Neanderthal, should we? Uh, sure why not <laughs> I, that came out of nowhere but i've been thinking about it like you know scientists are especially at the rate that like synthetic biology is advancing and you know just our understanding of dna uh, you know we will eventually get to a point where we're going to be watching a baby mammoth somewhere be born i i know it that we, in our lifetimes we must i think we, we will see a baby mammoth be brought back probably but, but now I, I was I was listening to an NPR show where they were hinting at, you know, that we're going to get to a point where we're going to have the ability to bring back a Neanderthal. And that's, that's going to be, yeah, that's insane, dude. <laughs> I'd love that's to see. Crazy. Uh, should we, though? But I mean, wouldn't you feel bad for the thing? I mean, sure, they have larger brains than us, but there would be no way to, of knowing how it would react or how it would be, it would be even. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Mr. Hassan, you have been a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. Thank you so much for your time and for hanging in there with my uh, crazy questions. Once again, um, how can people stay in touch? How can people follow what you're doing and all that good stuff? Yeah, if you uh, just go to our website, kiteandlightning.la, we have a newsletter um, where we just announce our projects, our our tools, and things that we give out for free, and uh, um, and that's how we kind of keep in touch with with people who are in interested in in the work we do. So just go there and subscribe subscribe to the newsletter. Nice, yeah. Keep an eye out for that plugin. It's gonna be amazing. Um, so yeah, thank you once again. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>